doing is he's showing the Corinthians who Jesus is. And this is flat out a contrast. A lot of us learn by contrast. I do. It's not this but this, you know, contrast. And so he's flat out giving you a contrast of here's how, and the whole letter is all about here's how you all been acting. If you've never read 1 Corinthians, what can I say? It's a little bit confrontational. Some of Paul's churches were easier than others. You know, like in your family growing up, there was an easy child and difficult child, you know? So it's kind of like in the churches, there's, there's the easy churches like Thessalonica, and then there's the difficult churches like Corinth. And so the Corinthians is like him constantly like addressing them on stuff. It's, it's pretty, conf- in love, but it's pretty confrontational, him loving them, confronting them. And all letter long, he's been taking up all these issues because they had a bunch of issues in the church. That's no new thing, right? It's been around since the beginning of the church. There's all these issues. So he's addressing all these issues and just it's all this kind of junk, really, in their lives and in the church. There's just junk that Jesus needs to work in and sanctify them through. And he's saying, so this is, this is the way you all have been acting, so let me show you who he is. In contrast to that, and even better, if you'll let him, he can take who he is and make it true in your life. And your lives can reflect him. That's what this chapter is about. So when you get into verses 4 to 7, what I'm learning is, and that's where I'm at just in my personal study, been there for a few months now, what I'm learning in verses 4 through 7 is this is just a list of some of the characteristics of Jesus. When you're reading this, just put the name Jesus in every time you see love, and that'll make sense of the whole thing. Jesus is long-suffering. He is. Tonight we're going to look at that second word, Jesus is kind. And, and may I emphasize this again, just because I need to hear it like a million times a day. Uh, don't try this at home yourself. Don't try this at home. You'll never pull it off. I'm going to go away from sharing camp. Good. I'm going to try to be more long-suffering. You'll never do it. This is who he is, and this is who he wants to be in my life. Remember last night we talked about that's a process fruit grows, and sometimes that comes through trauma, comes through hardships. How many of you can look back on a hard time in your life, and though I wouldn't have chosen it at the time, you look back at a very difficult time in your life and say, I grew, right? I grew. I grew. God worked in my life in that, and I grew. So this is going to be a growing thing in our lives for these to happen in us, but thank God that he is faithful. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, May the God of peace, God himself, sanctify you completely, whole spirit, soul, and body. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So he's faithful. So with that in mind tonight, if you'll you'll promise to not try this yourself. Everybody promise? Don't try this yourself. Let, Let him do this. Let's look at that second characteristic. We're looking at 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Jesus, um, tonight your kindness toward us is, is amazing. Uh, even in this moment, you've been so kind to even just be present with us. We uh, seek your face because if the world ever needed more kindness, it's right now. And we pray that you would do more in us than we can ask or imagine. Would you come and be your kindness, not only to us, but through us in these days? We need it. We love you in your name. Amen. So if, uh, if 1 Corinthians 13, which I believe it is, again, is who God is, 
then what we're looking at in verses 4, 5, 6, and 7 are different, so to speak, facets of it. So you're just, really, when you're looking at these descriptions, love, is, love suffers long, is kind, does not envy, we'll look at that tomorrow night, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, we'll just be taking one a night. These are characteristics. This is just who he is, and it's how he is all the time. So when we look at this second characteristic in verse 4 tonight, and it tells us love is kind, or Jesus is kind, God is kind, that's a fact. That's a fact tonight. There's no disputing tonight the fact that God is kind. That's an important truth. One of the reasons that's an important truth for us to hold on to, for us to um, be permeated with for my brain to be absolutely bombarded with and rewired with that truth God is kind is because the enemy is constantly going to try to convince you of otherwise how many of you have ever heard a lie in your mind just a whisper that God's not kind God doesn't really care about you he's not kind see look what happened to you hey look at that tragedy that happened to your life look how good they have it look how bad you have it look what's happened to you look at how you feel look what's happened in your life one of the strategies of Satan from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3 was to paint the picture that God is not kind he's not kind one of the ways, uh, one of the areas I find this uh, doubt constantly uh, comes to mind, and I get a lot of questions about this as I teach Bible classes. I get a lot of questions about the Old Testament, you know. People look at the Old Testament, they look at the New Testament. Here's a Jesus in the New Testament that heals. Um, he's dying on a cross. He's feeding people. He's caring for people. And then you look at this, uh, you see in the Old Testament, there is many things that happen where God is pronouncing judgment. Hey, God is bringing different various forms of judgment on people. And sometimes people in the world that, that uh, are, are having doubts and the enemy is just kind of confirming those doubts are looking at the Old Testament and saying, how can a loving God do things like that? How could a loving God bring a flood? How could a loving God pronounce judgment on certain groups of people like he did back in the Old Testament? How can a loving God let people die like he did in the Old Testament? And the enemy kind of comes in again, and he's constantly, what, what, what I hope you hear tonight is the constant strategy of the enemy is to replace the truth with a lie. And one of the lies that he's constantly trying to sneak in on us is God is not kind, when in fact tonight, he is kind. And sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll admit with you, even in my darkest moments, in my moments of pain, in our moments of frustration, in our moments of loneliness, in our moments where everything kind of feels like it's uh, crashing in upon us, sometimes I myself have wondered, have you ever wondered if God is really kind in your darkest moments? So that's why tonight I want to go back to God's word and say we need to stand in the truth, not what I feel, not what I think, but what God says in his word, right? Not by my feelings. My wife has a famous saying that she had to invent just for my sake. After being married to me for about 25 years or so, my wife had to invent this saying to kind of try to convince me of this fact. Your feelings are not your friend. 
Because my family goes by feeling. My, I grew up in a family that our feelings, we wear our feelings on our sleeve. You never have to wonder what we're thinking. I have faithfully passed along those traits to my daughter. And uh, so she is very much like me along that line. So my wife has been preaching for the last 10 years. Your feelings are not your friend. See, we have to go not by our, what by things seem like. Not, that's where the enemy operates. Not by how I feel, but by what God says in his word. What God says in his word. And the fact tonight of God's word is God is kind. It's reported that at the University of Chicago, I don't remember, I apologize what year it was, the great theologian Karl Barth was asked a question in a question and answer session at a theology lecture in the University of Chicago. What is the most profound truth that you've ever heard? Karl Barth, one of the greatest theologians, one of the greatest contemporary theologians of the 20th century said, the greatest truth I've ever heard is this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's God's word. And if we look through God's word, we see these amazing statements that God is kind. God is kind unbelievably, universally, consistently, throughout all of his being, God is kind. May I just turn to a few with you tonight, if you want to. The psalmist writes about this in, for instance, in Psalm 63, one of my favorite psalms. In Psalm chapter 63, verses 3 through 8, where the psalmist writes, Because your loving kindness is better than life. Your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you, thus will I bless you while you live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Psalm 63. The psalmist writes in Psalm 138, verses 1 through 3, I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness. And your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name, your loving kindness. Your loving kindness, again in Psalm 63, is, is better than life. Paul wrote about this a lot in his epistles, just as one example in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Paul talks about this kindness of God. He writes in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up together and he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Jesus that in the ages to come, forever, think about that, for in the ages to come, forever, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God is kind tonight. God is kind. Paul says love is kind. But I have to tell you tonight, although I've, I've heard that, although I've understood that a little bit, maybe just a smidgen, 
I have to tell you tonight that the word that Paul uses in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13 when he says, love is love is love as long as love is kind. I have to tell you tonight that as I shared last night, sometimes the Greek words that Paul uses in this chapter really pop. I, I, I've never seen some of the some of the graphic words that he uses in this chapter to, to describe these characteristics of Jesus. And when he says love is kind, that word is a really fascinating word that I've never seen before. It can literally mean to be good and kind, to mild and kindly. But I dug a little bit down in the Greek word. And, and sometimes in the Greek, when you study the root from which that word is built, a lot of Greek words are like Legos, you know, you build onto it to get, a, to get a, another, def, another definition. And if you drill down to kind of the root idea of kindness, I, w- I was blown away by the idea of what this root idea is, that the root of kindness is to have dealings with someone, to have something to do with that person, to have dealings with kindness at its root is about having dealings with or having something to do with that person. That's what it means to be kind, to have something to do with them, to be associated with them. Or, last night we, uh, we, we satisfied all of our Marvel fans last night with a couple of shout-outs for Marvel. Tonight is our Star Trek night. We have any Star Trek people out here? Star Trek, any of our Star Trek Next Generation people? Captain Picard has a favorite word. Whenever the ship is to get underway, he gives this one word command, and that word is engage. Engage. At its root, kindness seems to have the idea of being engaged with someone. And and in the grammar of of that word, it's literally in the the present, middle, indicative, which which in simple terms means do this all the time. Love is constantly engaged, involved with that person. It's to be engaged in the life of that person. That's what it means to be kind. And, and, And I've been so struck by that as I've studied that. I've been so struck by that over these weeks, that love is about being engaged and having to do with, and that God is kind toward us, and that means tonight that God is engaged in our lives. Now, I'm probably telling something to you tonight that you already know, but can I say it to you tonight again? God is kind towards you tonight. He loves you, and that means he is engaged in your life. You say, well, I don't feel like it. There's, that, there's those feelings again. Well, it doesn't seem like it. Don't go by what it seems like. Don't go by what it feels like. God's word says that love is kind, and God is kind, and that means tonight that as a matter of fact, God is engaged in your life and in my life tonight. Now, one thing that's so striking about that is how different it is from the world in which we live. If love is engaged in our lives and about being engaged, What a contrast that is to not only the Corinthians, but in our world, how oftentimes in our world, how disengaged we are from each other. Right? You know what I mean? Our world oftentimes, at least not any, maybe in the old days, but not anymore, are people very engaged in each other's lives. There seems to be a high level of disengagement in our world. 
There's a, a sociological phenomenon that sociologists call cocooning. Cocooning. It's the whole idea that, that anymore in our culture we tend to kind of go to our own homes and we get inside the confines of our own homes and that's where we stay and that's who we associate with and we don't have a lot to do with maybe our neighbors or people in the community like we used to because, you know, you got everything you, you need. You, you know, you got your people and your whatever you need, especially streaming, TV, right? I got everything I need right there. Why do I need to associate with anybody else? So there is this level of disengagement. People, generally speaking, you been to a mall lately? You been through an airport lately? We are generally disengaged with each other. Now, there's a lot of discussion underway. Some people ask that, has social media even contributed to, or has social media, I'm not going to answer that debate tonight because I don't know, but has social media given us the illusion of engagement when it's really not that much engagement at all? I don't know. But I do know that we're in changing times. I do know that as I read things and watch old movies and watch old TV shows and know about from old stories from older folks that a lot of people used to be way more engaged in each other's lives. You know how it is at Christmas time? Did you ever notice around Christmas time people get a lot friendlier? You ever notice that? You go to the store and people actually talk to you or you smile or you say hi or Merry Christmas or whatever. Usually, you know, like, I don't know, 51 weeks out of the year, we kind of pass each other by. But then Christmas time when we're shopping or whatever, you kind of get more friendly. Or, I don't know what it's like in your community, but there is this one, pl there's this one place in the community where I live in Lebanon, Tennessee. There's this one place that is the friendliest place in the whole community. I'm, I'm not kidding. At our post office, I don't know why, but people are so polite at the post office. I don't know why. People hold the door open for you. They say hi. They greet you. Nowhere else in the community except at the post office. I don't know why. And what I understand, that's what it used to be like all the time, but not anymore. How often, even in our own lives, do we experience people not being engaged in our lives? And may I ask you tonight, Have you experienced the hurt in your life of even people that you love and care about that seem disengaged from you? Maybe you've reached out. Maybe you've left a message. Maybe you've sent a text. But you don't hear anything back. That's pretty hurtful. Now, I've got to tell you tonight that this is really convicting for me. And praise God, though it's not easy, that God's word shines the light on us and convicts us in our own lives, right? That's what we're here for tonight. We're not here to preach about the world. We could spend all week long preaching about how bad the world is. But the truth of the matter is tonight, nobody needs Jesus more than us right here. More than us, more than me. And so this is so convicting for my own life in a, few, in a couple ways because of how disengaged, I, you know, I talk about, I can talk tonight about being disengaged and how it is, but to tell you the truth tonight, there's somebody, there's nobody more guilty tonight of being disengaged than me. 
sometimes, with, especially with people that I don't know. You ever find yourself disengaged with people you don't know? You know, at the store, you know, I, 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 when I go to Walmart, let me just be clear. When I go to Walmart, I have one goal, to get out of that place as fast as I can. You know, that's, that's, that's my goal. And, and I've often thought about, like, maybe I've had this idea that nobody has bought into yet, but I've had this idea that at Walmart we should have, like, a sign-up sheet, all right? And I'll have my, you can sign up for a time slot, and that way I can deal with as few people in Walmart as possible, right? Right? I want to be disengaged. When I go to Walmart, I don't want to be engaged. I want to be disengaged, right? That's how I tend to be. So here I am being disengaged with people. Or how about driving? You find yourself, do you find yourself as you're driving down whatever I-76 or 77, wherever it is, you find yourself driving down the interstate or on one of your city streets where you live and find, find yourself saying, I really wonder how that other driver is doing today. You know, or, or is it kind of like, hey, just get out of my way, you know? And I find myself disengaged. It's like I treat, I treat it like a video game, right? I treat it like it's just kind of some virtual reality. It's a real person in that car, but I, I don't find myself often being engaged. I'm the worst at this in airports. When I go through airports, um, whenever, the pilot, whenever I find out that the flight is not going to be full, I say, yes, <laughs> yes, less people. Maybe I'll have the seat next to me empty. Praise God, right? I don't want to talk to somebody that whole flight. Disengaged. Can I be real honest tonight? Sometimes it's a little embarrassing to admit this. Have you ever had this weird experience that there's somebody at church, and even though you've both been attending there a long time, you don't even know their name yet, and you're kind of embarrassed to like go talk to them or bring it up because you don't even, it's kind of like you kind of have this both recognition that we kind of know each other, but I actually don't know your name. Smile. You know. And that's with people I don't know. You know, what's really convicting tonight about this is about being disengaged is I've been guilty tonight. Do you know how capable I am tonight of being disengaged and shutting out and not having something to do with people I do know? Well, why would I do that? Well, maybe they've hurt me. Maybe somebody has hurt me. Maybe they've offended me. Maybe they've hurt somebody that I love. There's been pain caused in my life by somebody. And, and you know how it is. Like, whenever something causes pain, you you want the first human reaction to pain is to disengage, right? Touch a hot stove, disengage real fast, right? Something's caused hurt in my life, disengage. And so part of the natural seems like in our fallen nature that when somebody causes pain in my life, one of my initial reactions, later in the week we'll talk about reactions. One of my natural reactions to when you cause me pain is to pull away. And to say, well, I'm, I'm not going to have anything to do with you because you hurt me and I don't want to be hurt more. And so I'm going to disengage. And oh, of course, I've been around church long enough. I know how to smile. I know how to wear a plastic smile. I know how to kind of be polite, but I kind of learned along the way. I know how to be polite, but to still keep my distance from you and to be disengaged. And I understand tonight, maybe there's a need for balance in that. Hey, we're not asking, and last night when we talked about being long-suffering and the idea of it's going to be painful, we would never ask anybody to, to, to stay in an abusive situation or something like that, right? 
That's not right. When people cause me pain, is there a godly balance somewhere between, yeah, there needs to be boundaries sometimes, but Jesus, even with safe boundaries, how do you want to still through me engage in that person's life. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Louis Zamperini. There's a, there's a book and a movie called Unbroken. Has anybody ever read or seen the movie Unbroken? Louis Zamperini, World War II pilot. Plane went down the Pacific. They were captured by the Japanese. Brutal, brutal, brutal treatment in Japanese prison camps. Brutal. Watch the movie. Read the book's even more graphic. Brutal treatment. And yet later in life, after he gave his life to Jesus, amazing. Louis Zamperini, on purpose, makes a trip to Japan, seeks out those prison guards to tell them that he forgives them. Reminds me of what Jesus says. It's hard to get away from this. I, as I'm studying this, I just couldn't get away from Matthew 5 on this. You probably know where I'm going with this. You have heard it said, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 43. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Listen to this. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Now, now I've got I to be honest with you tonight. I've had a lot of church people hate me. I've had a lot of church people hate me as a pastor. And can I be honest tonight, the first thought in my mind was not necessarily to do good. <laughs> do good to those who hate you, and check out this, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. It's like be engaged. He even talks up earlier in the chapter about if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them too. Even with somebody that's being unkind to you, you be kind to them. You be engaged in their lives. Don't pull away. And again, nobody's... Nobody's saying stay in an abusive situation. I understand that. Hey, have safe boundaries. But Jesus, where's the line? Where is it in my life that you want to be engaging through me in the life of somebody who's even hurt me? Why? Because love is kind. Jesus is kind. And you say tonight, John, that's impossible. I have no idea how Zamperini could do something like that. And, John, you have no idea tonight what somebody has done to me. You have no idea how fresh that is. You have no idea that wound. Hey, hey you, that's, that's nice for you to stand up there and talk about be engaged and be kind and all that kind of stuff. You have no idea the pain that caused. You have no idea of the devastation that caused in my family. You have no idea what, how that devastated us. But once again, nobody said for you and me to do this. Remember what I said at the beginning? Don't try this at home. This is who he is. And this is, tonight is what he does. So tonight the invitation of this is, Jesus, will, will I tonight make a choice in this service? Will I make a choice tonight? Will I make a choice this week? And it is a choice. 
to say, Jesus, I offer myself to you, and I say, Jesus, how do you, I offer my life to you, as Paul said earlier in this letter, your life is not your own, you were bought at a price, so Lord, I offer my life to you, my emotions, my body, my feelings, my everything, and I say to you tonight, Jesus, have at with me however you want to be engaged in the life of people that I know, that I don't know, that have been kind to me or unkind to me. How do you want to be engaged? Now, we're not talking about a legalism. Don't try to make out a plan for this because I can respond to the Holy Spirit in this tonight. Now, two more things and then we'll finish. Two more important things about this. Number one, I want you to look back at 1 Corinthians 13.4 again. And notice especially that these two characteristics in verse 4, the first two, and by the way, I'll share more this week, I'm beginning to believe in the list that the first two are the very core fundamental of who God is in his love and in his nature He's long-suffering and he's kind. And then you'll notice the rest of these are kind of the opposite. It talks about what, what he's not. So these, notice that these two things are connected. They're connected. Love suffers long and is kind. I got to noticing how many other times in Scripture those two things are connected. It's like they go together. Peanut butter and jelly, long-suffering and kindness. Check it out. Other places. For example, just go over one letter. 2 Corinthians 6.6. 6. I'll just read a few. 2 Corinthians 6.6. 6. He talks about by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness. There it is again. He mentions them in one breath. Long-suffering, kindness. It's like they, where you see one, you see the other. Peanut butter and jelly. Long-suffering, kindness. He does the same thing couple other places. One is, again, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, if you have the list memorized in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. There again, same, same verse, same sentence. Where you see one, see the other. Colossians chapter 3, he does it again. Again, they're not right next to each other in the order of things, but certainly in the same verse in Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. In that case, kindness is mentioned first, then long-suffering. But they're there again, mentioned in the same sentence, same breath, staying together. You know why they go together? You know why they go together? Because if you are going to be kind to somebody, if you are going to be engaged in somebody's life, you're going to have to be long-suffering. <laughs> Make sense? Kindness requires long-suffering. It it's going to be hard to stay engaged in the life of somebody. It's going, to stay, it's going to be hard to stay close to that person and be kind to that person. It's going to feel like, we talked last night about the hardworking farmer. It's, it's, going to, it's going to be exhausting. It's going to be long days and short nights. It's going to demand everything I've got. It's going to feel like I really took a beating in this. Hey, man, it's going to feel like, man, am I wore out from this. It's really going to have a cost in my life to be kind to be engaged in somebody's life. And again, pain makes us want to disengage. 
So long-suffering is required. But his love is engaging and kind even in the long-suffering. We talked last night about love is a tough, love is tough. Love is costly. Love is about taking it on the chin. Long-suffering love is about, hey, I'm with you till the end of the line. I'm with you. I'm long-hearted. I'm with you all the way through this. I am with you, and I'm going to be engaged in your life and being engaged and, 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 and not distancing myself from the pain or even when they don't respond back or when it doesn't, when it doesn't seem easy and, and when I'm not getting anything in return. And I'm doing, it's one way, man. Feels one way. Where's the love, man? <laughs> so love that is kind has to be long-suffering also. Does that make sense? And do you know, secondly, why? One more place, let me, let me go to, the, one more place that they show up together is in Romans 2, 4. Now, I read this one last night, but it's important here. One more place, it explains why they go together and what God's purpose is in this love that is kind and engaged and it's long-suffering and long-hearted. Why? Because in Romans 2, 4, he says, do, do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, and his long-suffering, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? What's the purpose in all this, God? What's the purpose in this kind of love? What's the purpose? What's the use, God, in being engaged? What's the use, God, in sticking with it till the end of the line? What's the use, God, of, st of staying in this when there's nothing back? What's the use, God, of all of that? He says, oh, that's the only thing that leads somebody to repentance. That's the only thing that wins people. While uh, Tab comes to help lead us, uh, conclude us tonight, can I, can I ask you tonight? Didn't somebody's kindness win you to Christ? Isn't there something winsome about the kindness of Jesus? I mean, who of us here tonight has not been won over by somebody that was kind? And engaging. Somebody that stuck in there with us. Somebody that loved us when the, we weren't giving anything back. Somebody that was kind to us when we weren't being very kind back. Somebody that was long-suffering with us till the end of the line. Somebody that was involved in our lives. Can I tell you, that, that's what won me to Christ. I was this teenager. My dad left. Somebody from a Nazarene church. Got to watch out for those Nazarene people. Somebody from this, I don't, I don't know them from Adam. I don't know what a Nazarene church is. I have no, that's the church I played Little League at when I was 10 year, 12 years old. That's all I knew. So somebody from this church comes and knocks on our door, invites us to come. I'm a teenager. I'm 15, 16. I don't care about that stuff. Hey, that's great, God, but I got other things in my life. I got a girlfriend, I got sports, I got this, I got that. I'd go once in a while. My mom and my sisters went. I'd go once in a while. 
You know what won me to Christ? Those people at that church that look like a lot of some of you here tonight. They got engaged in my life. They cared. They were kind to me. You know what they didn't do? I hadn't been there in a couple months, right? If I, sometimes it was a couple months since I would go. I got other things. Sometimes it's been months since I've been there. You know what they didn't do? I got no lectures. When I walked in those doors, it's like those people had been waiting for me. Like, how did you guys know I was going to show up that Sunday? It's like they were like prodigal, the, the father of the prodigal son. It's like they were watching for me every week. And I walk in those doors and those old ladies would kiss me on the cheek and those, those old guys, they'd slap me on the back and talk about sports because they knew that's what I like to talk about. And then one of them would take me play racquetball. Here's a guy, here's these men getting engaged in my life. Kindness. And can I tell you, when I hit the wall two years later, how many years later? Because love is long-suffering. When I hit the wall in my life, where did you think I was going to run to? Because <laughs> that's what wins. The kindness of God leads you to Repentance. And it might take time. That's why it's long-suffering. It took time for me, two years. And a love that has no agenda. See, in this world, we're, we're so skeptical. The reason it takes time is because most of us are skeptical. You know, I'm used to people being kind for a reason. You know, salespeople are very kind, <laughs> very engaged when I walk in the store. <laughs> Because they want something. But do you understand tonight? Jesus has no agenda, just wants you. But sometimes we're so skeptical in our world. Being kind, what do you want? But he just wants you tonight, that kind of Jesus. Because tonight, can I tell you, God is kind towards you tonight. God is kind. And here's the invitation. Who would tonight here would surrender their lives to say, Jesus, oh Jesus, I give my life for you to show who you are through me. That's holiness. And truth tonight is, why wouldn't we want to respond to a God like that? Why tonight would I... There's a God, the Holy Spirit, present with us tonight, and he loves us, and he's engaged, and he cares about us with no agenda, with nothing he's trying to get out of us tonight, except he just wants us. And he just wants to do a miracle in our lives tonight. And why tonight? Somebody that has no agenda and loves me and gives himself for me tonight, why would I not want to respond to a God like that tonight? So here's my question, would you? Because at this very moment, this very second he's engaged here tonight
he's engaging you and me. And so, so as Tab leads us tonight, would you like to find a way to respond to him? I don't, you can kneel up here, kneel at your, I don't know, find a way to respond tonight. Say, Jesus, be my source for that kind of love. <laughs> Beyond me, God, in the lives of people that I don't know, in the lives of people that I do know, in the lives of people that have been kind to me, and in the lives of people that have not been kind tonight, Jesus, where there's been hurt. Anybody need help with that tonight? Get anywhere in your life tonight. Jesus is asking, please, please, would you let me, no matter what you get back, would you let me show my kindness through you? I'll do it. You just have to give me permission. You don't have to do it. I'll do it. Would you volunteer? If you need that kind of help in your life tonight, would you join me in, in asking him as, as Tab leads us? Would you stand with me?